Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 13 of Jeff Reads His Book. Today we're going to be reading chapter 13 of Bringing Balance, a book I wrote in a month. Over seven years ago, I guess now. God, that's a long time. All right. So uh, if you want to contact me and talk to me about this podcast, you can go to my website at jeffreadshisbook.com. And there's a few ways to contact me listed right there. Uh, otherwise, wait till the end of the episode and I'll give you a little bit more information. So today's a little bit of a special episode because I don't have any feedback from my loyal listener, my wife. Uh, episode 12, I actually recorded last week on Tuesday, edited it, and threw it all out. I mean, the whole thing was, what, how long the podcast is, plus 10 minutes to edit in the music and all that nonsense, and then I had to listen to it to make sure there's not like a... I mean, the only thing I listen to on these when I check them out before uploading is probably like if there's like a big um, like audio fart sound. Not Not my fart, but like if the audio craps out or something like that. That's the only thing I really care about. But, uh, you know, they're usually fine. I don't see how it could go wrong. So so no feedback this week. Kind of a bummer. So we're going to get to that next week. Or at least we'll have two chapters for her to comment on. Oh, and for God's sakes, other people, if you're listening, please write in. You can answer the discussion questions. You can tell me this podcast stinks. It's all good, right? So uh, one thing that's been bugging me is, you know, with Chapter 13... We're past the halfway point in this podcast, right? Because I said this book has 22 chapters, 22 miserable chapters that were all thrown together in a month. And, uh, you know, being on chapter 13, that means we're like down the home stretch, nine weeks left of this episode. And it kind of makes me sad because I'm really enjoying making this. Um, but there's a few problems with that, you know? I haven't had, I said I'd have some guests on, people who have read the book. Um, I gotta really approach my buddy Glenn about that, see if he'll come on, maybe read a chapter with me. Maybe we could like go back back and forth between uh, drinking breaks or something like that. I don't know. That'd be fun though, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got we still gotta get a guest on. My wife I need to have as a guest too. I'll choose like a I'll start peeking ahead and see if I can find like a dull chapter and put some guests on those, because otherwise it's just gonna be, you know. We don't need a guest if it's exciting, right? Ooh. Um, and then I was thinking, what am I going to do after this? When this podcast comes to a close, when I finish chapter 22 in the epilogue, or if you're on a stupid Kindle, I guess, what, chapter 24? Ugh, I, I don't know. Yes, I don't know how to make audio or ebooks. So anyway, uh, I don't know what I should do next. So this book does have a prequel and a sequel that are written, but not published, so, in theory, I could go read those books. That might be fun. Not real sure, though. <laughs> uh, I'd have to edit the books at least somewhat, because when you write them in a month, they, if you think there's a lot of typos in this book, you should have seen it beforehand, before it like passed through a spell checker the first time. My God, it was bad. So, I will have to look at that. I think... Uh, that might be a fun alternative and just put them up as available on Amazon so everybody can buy them because they're just atrocious. <laughs> yeah, so those are some things I got to start thinking about, um, you know, since we're past the halfway point. But, uh, what, nine weeks out, how many weeks are left? That's, this is probably going to get me through the end of the year, I think. Nine weeks? Oh, you know, it's going to be bad. I got to go to my family for family's house for Christmas, and then what, we'll probably be there on a Sunday. How I'm going to have to do the podcast before I go. I'm going to have to pre-record one. I mean, God, I do a lot of work for this podcast. Am I right, people? And that's probably why the production quality is just so phenomenal. So can anybody hear the washing machine on Spin Cycle behind me right now? <laughs> probably not, but yeah, you never know. Uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, you know what? National Novel Writing Month is coming up. On November 1st, so I'm recording this on Sunday, the 28th of October. So that means, what, Thursday, uh, National Novel Writing Month starts. I didn't just figure out dates in my head. I had it written down. 
But that's uh, pretty exciting. I am not participating, as I said, but everybody should participate because it's so stupid and so much fun. Um, everybody has all these tips for like, oh, outline your story and oh my God, make sure you have quiet rooms to type in and blah, blah, blah. The only tip you can give someone is you just going to need a hell of a lot of time. Just make sure you have a couple hours a day, a couple bare minimum, because 1,700 words is a hell of a lot to write. And oh, for God's sakes, if you're American, make sure you get like a 5,000 word buffer built up by Thanksgiving, because oh, it's so hard to do on Thanksgiving. But that's my only tip. I don't have anything else to contribute about National Novel Writing Month. You guys have heard most of this book so far, and it's not good. So it's not like I should be giving advice to everybody out there who's trying to do, trying to write a book. I know some people take National Novel Writing Month like very seriously and they think they're writing the next great American novel. And I mean, I do not. This book is ridiculous. It has two, a sequel and a prequel, also both equally stupid, but that's fine. And I wrote a fourth book, what, on my second National Novel Writing Month about Ugh, co-ed adult soccer. Oh my god. That one might be completely unreadable. So we're probably not going to hear that on here. Although, I don't know. It might be fun to have, like, uh, intersperse it as, like, a special episode. We'll read a chapter from... I, it was just called Soccer with an exclamation point. <laughs> Very inventive. But that would be fun just to throw in a chapter here or there, because it's just not good. <laughs> anyway... Let's move on to what we're actually doing today, though. Today, we are reading chapter 13, which clocks in at another whopping 12 pages. Because, as I said last week, when we crossed halfway, we had more than half the pages remaining. So, it was going to be tough. Uh, So, we're going to have a few long chapters, I think. Um, Let me see. So, I did peruse it. I actually remembered last week's what I read. So... This one's going to be a little less exciting. No fighting. But that's okay. You know what? We've had, what, two or three weeks of excitement now? Maybe just two. I think two. Two. Let's go with two. Yeah. We've had two exciting chapters, two weeks of exciting chapters. So this one's not going to be quite as good. But that's okay. That's okay. Maybe maybe we get three weeks. It doesn't matter. Um... So this chapter, I looked through it, it does feature a lot of walking, and when I perused it, oh god, new names galore, oh, I must have been on another kick of trying to personalize people, you know, like, oh, if they have a name, they'll be memorable, blah, 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 but there's going to be a lot in this chapter, like, some of them I didn't even recognize, (laughs) so, and I wrote the book. I don't think any of them are going to be main characters that are new, I mean, one of them, is uh, she's not recurring, but uh, she does appear prominently in a prequel, so that's exciting, right? So anyway, um, let's see. So twelve pages. This is probably gonna take me like forty-five or fifty minutes. So I don't see any reason to uh, delay any longer. So why don't we jump into chapter thirteen of Bringing Balance? So while I read chapter 13 today, I'm going to be sipping on a delicious glass of Tito's over ice. Uh, Tito's handmade vodka. Very delicious. Very affordable. I strongly recommend it. Mm. Yep. And it's a Sunday, so that's cool. It's afternoon, too. That's important, right? So let's get started. Okay. Through the trees... The four travelers could see the unnaturally black plume as they trudged away through the woods. Margot had often been impressed with Henry's cleverness in the past, but this feat had amazed even her. The extractor had been designed to withstand any such attack. However, Henry had found a way to exploit its own defenses. Looking at Henry, she noted that the fair-skinned mage did not look particularly well. She chalked that up to walking all night to find her, although the other two did not look as weary to her. Henry's eyes featured heavy, dark bags. He walked ever so slightly slumped. However, she was also aware that she had missed a lot. While the continued walking through the forest, (laughs) or they, whatever, (laughs) led by Stephen without any explicit trail, Margot asked, 
What did happen to Roland? He was on the magistrate's side? Yes, Aaron responded. That last campground we had? He suggested it because that's where the trap to catch us was planned. How did you find out he was a traitor? Aaron continued. He asked to read my mind. I told Henry, and Henry confronted him. And I just about met my end when Stephen and his bow saved the day, Henry added. <laughs> that sounds so stupid for some reason. <laughs> Margot felt personally responsible for the erroneous decision to include Roland in their adventure. She apologized. I'm sorry about ever bringing him into this. It's not your fault, Aaron responded. How could you have ever known, Henry asked. Well, sorry, page turn. <laughs> well, you were strongly against going to see him, Margot said. Sure I was, but that was because I thought he was a pompous jerk, not because I thought he would try to kill us all. Henry replied. <laughs> Nobody thought that. Sorry, I was checking the audio. Why don't we read that again? <laughs> sure I was, but that was because I thought he was a pompous jerk. Not because I thought he would try to kill us all, Henry replied. Nobody thought that. Margot shrugged despite uh, Margot shrugged despite their brushing off the decision. I don't think any of us blame you, all right, Aaron said. Stephen and Henry both nodded in agreement. Changing the subject, Margot asked, Stephen, do you know where we are? I think so, yes, he responded. And, Margot urged. Stephen stopped, causing everyone else to stop. He explained, When we were traveling last night, the road we passed headed south from the road on which we were traveling. Okay. Sorry, I hate this geography I put in this book. <laughs> there was a signpost that said a town called Deliton was that direction. I believe if we continue through the forest on our current course, we should eventually pop out into the farmland surrounding that town. I've only visited once, but it is rather large. We should be able to find lodgings there. Everyone nodded before they began walking again, finding the uh, explanation more than adequate. Margot tried to recall why Deliton sounded familiar. She knew the name for some reason. Picking her brain, she tried to remember if perhaps she had visited at some point. However, she could not recall being in such a town. When finally... Oh, damn it. She finally conceded that she'd have to wait to see if seeing the town would spark any memories to see if seeing the town would spark... <laughs> okay. Thank God we're at a drinking break. Woo! <laughs> mm. So, I think I've started off a little bit sloppy on this. I think I'm reading fast. I've been trying to make like a concerted effort to read the book slowly, and it's just so damn hard, but I'm giving it my best, so we're going to keep going here. A little more vodka first, though. Because, mm. you know, that's going to help my reading, right? All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Aaron was thankful when the twisted, dark trees of the forest began to thin and the fields became visible. I actually messed that up already. Let's try again. Aaron was thankful when the twisted, dark trees of the forest began to thin and the fields beyond became visible. The forest seemed unpleasant and made her skin crawl. The warmth of the afternoon sun drove the chills from her. When they left the trees behind permanently, the four turned around to see where they had emerged from. A plume of black smoke in the distance suggested that the spell Henry had cast was still working at destroying the horrible relic that had almost brought a close to Margot's life. The group had only a short walk from the dark forest until they saw the town begin to grow on the horizon. The town seemed considerably bigger than the other towns Aaron had passed through during the adventure. She also noted that most of the buildings here were made of brick rather than wood or stone. Glancing back at the, distant, the now distant forest, 
She assumed that the residents did not want to approach the creepy forest, much like herself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the group eventually reached a dirt road that ran perpendicular to the town, which was still which still was a ways from their position. Ugh, that sounds terrible. Is this more alliteration? Was a ways? Ugh, all right. When the reached the road, oh, God. <laughs> when the reached the road, whose south berm was lined with a fence holding back some disinterested cattle, <laughs> they decided to stop to rest before proceeding into the unknown of the city. All right. <laughs> Margot once again produced food for all of them to enjoy. From thin air, she pulled pears, some cheese, and another jug of cider. Aaron was becoming less amazed with the hidden storage and more amazed with its seemingly endless supply of everything. After handing out food and drink, Margot produced a thin book. She began flipping through it while the others ate. What are you looking for? Aaron asked with a half full mouth. What are you looking for? Aaron asked with a half-full mouth. I know I've heard of this town, but I can't think of why. I'm trying to see if I ever made a note of it, she explained. Maybe you know someone who lives here, Stephen suggested. Margot looked into the sky in thought while the others continued eating. Aaron realized she was no help, so she focused on her meal. She watched as the female mage pulled out another book and began flipping through the pages. Aha! Margot explained, grabbing the other's attention. Actually, I think I could have used exclaimed there, like I want to say every time it says explained. I think exclaimed could work. Mm. Sorry, that was a, a unwarranted drinking break. <laughs> I knew I should remember this town. She slapped Henry on the shoulder. You know who lives here? No, Henry said. Janie lives here, she said. I forgot she came here after, well, she lives here. <laughs> Janie, very exciting name I came up with. <laughs> You're kidding, Henry said, brightening considerably. Who's Janie? Aaron asked. She's a mage, of course. She was one of my best friends in this world, Henry explained. Actually, she introduced Margot and I. They both knew each other from before I was ever here. Aw. And we can stay with her, Aaron asked. Probably, yeah, Margot replied. Good, I'm exhausted, Aaron stated. Ha, that was a good, hilarious finish, right? Okay, that's a drinking break now, huh? All right. Mm. So I mentioned somebody who might be a recurring character, and that's kind of Janie. Just because you realize that it did say that they introduced them and best friend and all that bullshit. So, yeah. But ugh, these names, though, aren't they just... Well, we're going to hit a few more. Get ready. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, this is exciting. Ready? When Frederick returned to the site of the battle, he was appalled by what awaited him. Hey, Frederick makes another appearance. This is like the fourth or fifth chapter he's been in. I can't, I didn't even know he was a character when we first met him. Oh my God. Ah, oh, okay. I'm so excited that he's in this book so much. <laughs> in the center of the clearing where one of the most promising magical tools in the world had once expect, existed, only a smoldering heap of ash remained, still glowing white and still producing a thick black smoke. Gwen, a young mage, was the only person who seemed to have her senses about her. She was trying to nurse two very confused peers back to functionality. Both sat slumped against trees, rubbing their heads. There was no sign of any soldiers, and one mage was still missing. What happened here? he boomed. All three remaining mages winced as he yelled. I don't know, Gwen responded angrily. I was knocked out. Where were you? Don't you dare take that tone with me, he yelled. He surveyed the clearing again, looking for any clues. Walking to the isolation cart, he found the lock mechanism on the ground next to a large stone. 
Near the encampment, a sack with two or three berries inside lay on the ground. No other clues remained. Where is Ella? he asked, calmer now. I don't know, the woman responded. There's no sign of her. So we have what? Gwen and Ella are two new names. Those, you know what? I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pass on those. Those those two aren't too bad. Sounds a little magical, maybe. Just a little bit, a little bit. And let me just point out, this is written before uh, Frozen was a thing, I think. I don't know when Frozen came out. Doesn't matter. I didn't know Ella was a character in that. I still actually don't know. I just think she is? I don't know. Who cares? I've never seen the movie. I've heard the song billions of times, though. Am I right? Oof. They must have taken her, Frederick said, looking around the edge of the clearing for a sign of a struggle. I don't think so, Gwen retorted. They have no use for her. No, she probably just fled. Fled? She probably was, she probably was spared by them. Or maybe woke first, saw the destruction, and decided to flee, Gwen explained. She probably didn't want to get blamed for this. She always was pretty skittish and not committed to the cause. Frederick sighed in frustration. He'd be in trouble for this disastrous operation, but he vowed privately to find the girl, and more importantly, Henry McCallum. Oh, this is a drinking break, but it's like on the end of a page, so it doesn't show up correctly. So, drinking break. Here we go. Mmm. Oh my gosh, and the next section starts with a formatting error. Yay! Those are always fun when I go outside the margins. Ah, here we go. You know what? I'm going to take another sip. This is pretty good. I'm going to need to go back upstairs because I don't even think I'm close to halfway through this chapter, huh? Mm. All right, let's do this. Upon arrival at the outskirts of town, Margot showed Stephen the address she had for Janie. Neither of them knew where to find it, but the group decided to let Stephen do any of the asking. Aaron had, ex- Aaron had suggested allowing Stephen to continue to lead, saying he was probably the least recognizable of the group. In reality, Aaron had said so because she knew both Henry and Margot would be terribly conspicuous. Margot would be quite unnerving to strangers, and Henry was far too flippant. She would never have said so to either of them, so she kept these omissions of truth to herself. Wow, she's a little meanie, isn't she, huh? While Stephen asked a stranger where the address could be found, Aaron looked back at Henry. He looked far more exhausted than her other two companions. She had noticed him tripping occasionally as they walked. Are you all right, Henry, she asked. Yeah, I'm fine, he said. Aaron noticed that he perked up when she asked, as if trying to hide any weakness. <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> Once Stephen had received some general directions into the town, he thanked the stranger, and the travelers commenced walking once again. Margot walked behind Stephen, trying to aid him in finding the street, and Aaron and Henry followed behind. While Henry was glancing to the side during their walk, Aaron tapped Margot on the shoulder. While Henry was glancing to the side during their walk? What the hell does that even mean? All right, all right. Eh, I guess. I'm try- sorry, trying to decipher what I was trying to write here. Okay, all right. When Margot glanced back, Erin tilted her head towards Henry, who chose that moment to stumble. Margot's eyes widened in alarm and dropped back, grabbing Henry's arm. Erin increased her pace to join Stephen. Speaking softly to Stephen, she said, We need to get to that address fast. I don't think Henry's going to last much longer. I think we're close now. He said to turn right just up here, Stephen said, pointing to an upcoming intersection. Aaron glanced back at Henry and Margot. Henry smiled at her, still looking worn. Margot had hooked her arm through Henry's left arm and was discreetly helping him along. Oh, he doesn't sound like he's doing well. All right. As Stephen had said, they turned right down a smaller street. The buildings lining the street alternated between homes and storefronts, although as they distanced themselves from their original route or route, what do you say, route or route? I don't know. 
I think I've had this conversation on here. The stores became less frequent. After walking another two blocks south, God, two blocks is a lot. I mean, that's, that's all right. They turned left again, avoiding horses, carts, and carriages making their way along the road. Like in Frogger, the video game. Stephen turned back towards Margot and said, This is our road. Okay, she responded. We're looking for 98. Who knew that in a magical world they'd still use addresses like us, huh? Erin began searching for house numbers. She was mildly amused that this seemingly backwards world still employed addresses similar to her world. <laughs> Alright, I guess I commented too quick. <laughs> Finally, she spotted the number painted on the brick of an odd-shaped home. It seemed to be two just uh, two disjointed buildings. The front was a thin, two-story brick home with a small vegetable garden to its right. Behind this home lay a much wider building, nearly twice as wide, that connected to the rear of the home. A single, uh, a single chimney rose from the center of the wider, single-roof, single-floor rear building. All right, all right, I get it. The troop stopped in front, staring at the house. All eyes turned to Margot. I guess this is it, Margot said. Nobody responded. Follow me, she said, leading them to the front door of the smaller front building. Margot, accompanied by Henry, rapped on the front door and waited. Eventually, Aaron heard footsteps and the door opened. An older man opened the door. <laughs> yes, I know he opened the door. God damn it. An older man opened the door and clearly appeared surprised at the four visitors. May I help you? he asked. Margot cleared her throat. Um, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> um, yes. Is Janie home, perchance? <laughs> Man's eyes narrowed. There's no Janie here, he replied. Well, um, she gave me this address a while ago, Margot said with uncertainty. I'm afraid you're mistaken, miss, he said, and began closing the door. Wait, Henry said. Could you just tell Janie that Henry and Margot are here and desperately need her help? Aaron detected a glimmer of understanding in the man's eye as he shut the door. Apparently, Margot missed it. What now, she asked, throwing up her hands. Stephen spoke up. I think we passed a few inns on the way through town. We can just go back to the first we saw. Well, let's get going, Henry said, sighing. <sighs> Wait, Aaron said, just one more moment. As if she had seen the future, the door to the home opened a crack. They all turned to stare. After a few seconds, the door was thrown open, and a smiling woman stepped out. She stood at least as tall as Stephen, and her face glowed with happiness framed by long brunette hair. Henry! Margot! Is that really you? she exclaimed. Janie! Margot yelled, running to the woman. The two embraced for a moment before looking at each other laughing. Henry was clearly happy as well, but this, but his, quote, fourth wind was not exactly giving him the energy that Margot displayed. Aaron watched him walk up to the tall woman smiling. Janie, oh, it's so good to see you, he said. The two embraced briefly. It's been too long, Henry, and you look awful, she said, still laughing. Come inside, everyone. She re-entered the home and stood holding the door open. Oh my god, this is going to be a long section, I have a feeling. <laughs> One minute, I'm just going to peek when the next drinking break is. All right, we're getting there, we're getting there. Okay, let's see. Erin uh, introduced herself as she followed Henry and Margo inside. Stephen followed suit. Erin found herself in a small, dark sitting room where the man who had answered the door stood with a woman who was presumably his wife. "'Sorry about the trouble, but you can't be too careful these days,' he said. The four visitors nodded, accepting his apology. "'Follow me. I live just back here,' explained the tall woman. Erin soon learned that Janie lived in the rear of the combined buildings. The single-floor home behind the house featured a large, open hearth in the building's center, surrounded by four rooms. As they entered into the well-lit common area that included a kitchen, Aaron could see through the open hearth to the other rooms in the small building. Janie had invited her guests to sit around the table. 
Margot, come help me get some snacks together, the tall woman said. Margot forced herself out of a chair and followed Janie to the kitchen area, where Janie began whispering to the shorter woman. Everyone could hear Margot agreeing in a frustrated voice. I thought I was going to be arguing, but watch. Fine, Margot said and stormed back to the table. She grabbed, grabbed Henry's hand, <laughs> not hand, <laughs> and said, come with me, pulling him up from his seat. She led the exhausted mage through one of the doors and slammed it behind her. Janie brought over a plate full of meats and cheeses, joining the two remaining guests at the table. She whispered to them, Henry isn't well. What happened? Has he been in some sort of fight? Three, actually, Aaron explained. And none of us have slept for a day or two. I'm not real clear on how long it's been. <laughs> From the other room, the three suddenly heard shouting. I'm fine. I just need something to eat, Henry said loudly. Everything was heard clear thanks to the open hearth shared by all the rooms. You're not fine. You need to rest, Margot retorted. Aaron looked at Stephen, exchanging an awkward glance. I just need something to eat, and we can discuss what to do next, Henry said. No, Margot yelled. You need to lay down and sleep now. There was a moment of quiet, followed by Henry's voice again. I love that fire you have, he said. I know you do, Margot replied, now in a sultry voice. Why don't you join me on the bed, Henry suggested, loud enough that the three at the table could still hear. Aaron saw Janie lower her head, shaking it from side to side. Looking at Stephen, he stared at the door with his jaw dropped. Aaron couldn't restrain herself and began laughing loudly. We all hear you, she yelled. <laughs> the other two at the table broke out into hysterics. As the laughing died, the door the room opened, <laughs> missing some words, and Margot emerged. She walked haughtily to the table to join the other three. This happens all the time when those two were together, Janie explained to Stephen and Aaron. Although I'm a little surprised by what I'm seeing, she said, staring at Margot. This is a new development, Aaron said. How new, Janie asked. About four hours ago, Stephen said quickly, causing Aaron to laugh. It was pretty unpleasant up until then, Aaron added. So what are you doing here, Janie asked anyone who would explain. Drinking break! And you know what? This drinking break is going to feature a pause while I go refill this glass with a delicious beverage. Okay, we are back. I actually switched it up a little bit. Um, we have some wild turkey American honey upstairs. And it honestly, it's like drinking delicious sweet syrup that is 30% alcohol. I actually love it. I don't think my wife can really stomach it very much because it's just so sweet. So I'm going to just work on giving myself diabetes here while we finish this chapter. Uh, let's have a little sip, though, just to taste it. I can smell it over the ice. Oh, God. Mm. Mm. It even seems thick. Whew. I thought it was like bourbon with a little honey added, but it's definitely honey with a little bourbon added. It's ooh, brutal. All right. Here we go. Henry awoke in bed feeling truly refreshed. Gone was the feeling that he could collapse at any moment, replaced by a powerful hunger. When he tried to roll over and get out of bed, though, he found that he couldn't. An arm was wrapped around his chest, and he now noticed Margot's breath against his neck. Turning slowly around, he saw her eyes still closed and her face still peacefully in sleep. Carefully, he removed her arm and slid his legs away from hers. Moving to the opposite side of the bed, he slowly sat up and looked back at his un unexpected companion. She had not budged since he had awoken. When Henry entered the common room, he found Janie sitting alone as the warm morning sun poured through a window. A windows. <laughs> Henry helped himself a cup of tea <laughs> and joined Janie at the table. God damn, that was a doozy of a, chat, uh, a paragraph. All right. 
Feeling better, she asked, smiling. So much better, Henry replied. He examined the room for the first time effectively, since he hadn't had his wits about him yesterday. I honestly can't believe you're here, she continued. They explained the situation last night. I think Roland was right, though. That certainly appears to be the balancing stone. Are you really going to try to reunite the two halves? Can I just have a moment to relax, he laughed. Sorry, Janie said. Henry felt her staring at him. I'm glad you and Margot made up. You really hurt her when you left. She was messed up for a while. Henry sighed. I know, Janie, I know. I'm sorry, all right? I don't want to be lectured about it. Janie smiled. Let me get you something to eat. No, allow me to make breakfast for everyone, he offered. It's the least I can do for your help. While Henry stumbled around the kitchen, Aaron and Stephen emerged from another room, off the common room, looking as if both had just woken. They joined Janie at the table as well. <sighs> There's a lot of as well in this, huh? And not only they joined Janie at the table as well, why would you put as well at the end of that sentence? God damn, it's bad. Henry managed to find a mixing bowl, flour, eggs, and a large cast iron griddle. Looking around the room at where to heat the griddle, Henry decided to cheat and heated it with a little magic. Oh, that's nice. What is the flour for? Mixing bowl. So he's make. Oh, he's making pancakes. I bet he's making pancakes. Who's who thinks it's pancakes? We'll see if it even says what it's going to be, because we don't know. Hmm. All right. Margot joined the group last, her hair looking disheveled enough to elicit a giggle from Janie. Margot raised her right hand and snapped, and her hair inexplicably fell perfectly into place. <laughs> Sorry, page turn. <laughs> Just as she sat down, Henry delivered the first pancakes to the group. So it was pancakes, huh? I was a little concerned if he was going to make eggs, why he needed flour. But after some, talk, some small talk, do you think they had syrup? Ooh, that's going to be a discussion question, am I right? Q1. Syrup. Perfect. All right. After some small talk, Janie returned to the business at hand. So you all plan to reunite the halves of the balancing stone? I guess, Aaron shrugged. My aunt never told me anything more. Janie thought about it and turned to Margot. Have you heard about the blight? Margot shook her head side to side. I'm assuming that means no. The blight is what happened around Overlook Temple, that lifeless mud. At Overlook, see, I took this long to explain why there was monsters there. That's good, yeah, halfway through the damn book. At Overlook, it was imposed by the magistrate's mages. But it's been cropping up randomly elsewhere. Some of us might think, think it... Okay. Some of us think it might correspond to the disappearance of the light half of the stone. Ooh... Where else is the blight? Stephen asked. As you get closer to Eliath, it becomes more common, but it's spreading. There is some on the outskirts of this town, Janie explained, and it grows. How would this stone help? Aaron asked, playing with the pendant around her neck with her fingers. Well, the idea would be that the balancing stone could keep the dark magic in check. That's what the keepers used to say. Okay, one minute. That's what the keepers used to say. Keepers, capital K, if you're not reading along. All right. I'm guessing your aunt was one of the keepers. They fled with the light when the magistrates came for the stone. The light is, ca light is capitalized, too. So I think the dark and the light are the two halves of the balancing stone. I probably didn't come up with this plot till this chapter. <laughs> Why not take both halves? Henry asked. They did take both halves, Janie said. In fact, the plan was to take each half on separate routes so that both could not be intercepted. The dark was captured. The light ended up on your neck. Janie looked at Aaron. Let's say we retrieve the other half, Stephen suggested. What would we do next? I'm glad you asked, Janie said as she rose from her seat. 
She walked to a bookshelf across the room and pulled a folded paper from between two books. She returned to the table and unfolded a map. This map should be more or less up to date, Janie said. Henry could see that it was a map of the city of Eliath. The palace is located here, just back from the banks of the river. Downstream, a few blocks, you can see a rather large island marked Keepsake Island, which is home to the Balancing Stone. Once you find the stone in the palace, you just need to find your way onto the island. A boat or something. There's a tunnel, Stephen blurted out. All eyes turned to him, and his face turned red. How do you know that? Margot asked. He exhaled deeply. I've been in it a long time ago, when I was a child. A tunnel under the river? Jenny exclaimed, surprised. It starts in the Temple of Colors over here. <laughs> Do you guys like my names for everything? Keepsake Island, Temple of Colors? This is great. I think this is probably better than my people names. <laughs> I'm going to have a sip. This is a long section. Hmm. I think we might be finishing up soon here. All right. It starts in the Temple of Colors over here, Stephen explained while pointing at the map. The temple he pointed to sat across the street, across a street facing the palace grounds. I don't know exactly the path it takes, but it runs underground all the way to the tower on Keepsake Island. So, Stephen, you're familiar with Eliath? Janie asked. Yeah, I know it all right, he said. You'll have to be discreet once you get there, Janie continued. They're probably looking for you twice as hard since you rescued Margot. And since Henry destroyed that thing, Aaron said. What thing, Janie said. Janie asked. Henry destroyed an extractor in the woods just north of here, Margot said nonchalantly, although she was still wildly impressed. Janie's eyes widened. It was quite clever how he did it, Margot explained. It ended up destroying itself, actually. Very impressive. Remember, that was the feedback loop? Mm -hmm. It wasn't that big a deal. You just had to think about it for a bit, a bit, and how to destroy it was obvious, Henry said before returning to his breakfast. Not a big deal, Janie exclaimed. That's the extractor. There aren't more of them. It's the only one. Henry shrugged. Oh, he said. <laughs> Janie shook her head, exasperated. That's a big deal! They want your head for that, Henry! They've been trying to work that horrible thing for years. You weren't followed here, were you? No, we were all alone, Aaron said. The others nodded. Okay, I'll set you up with someone who can take you at least half of the way there. You all probably can't walk around here anymore. You all need to be very careful from now on, Janie warned. Ooh, spooky! I'm going to take another drink. Oh, my God. We are... Wait, wait, wait. Wait, I got to confirm. I think I might have skipped a page. Nope. All right. That afternoon, the four travelers said goodbye to their overnight host. As promised, Janie had an open-air coach. Wow, fancy. Though somewhat run down, come to her home and take the group onwards towards Eliath. Janie said goodbye to Stephen and Aaron first, giving both hugs and asking that they return as soon as they had finished their business. Before they could board the coach, she pulled Margot and Henry aside. Henry, she started. Things are going to be far more difficult now because of what's happened so far. You shouldn't... His far appears in that sentence twice. <laughs> you shouldn't have destroyed the extractor. You're a marked man, and everyone else is in danger now, too. Yes, I should have destroyed it, Henry countered. Perhaps the timing could have been better, but now it's gone. Now it is gone, see? All right, no contraction, sorry. Fine, I suppose you have a point, Janie said. Just be careful, okay? And keep an eye on Stephen. He seems to know an awful lot about the city. I suspect he's hiding something. <gasps> Foreshadowing! <laughs> Margot and Henry both nodded and exchanged embraces with Janie. They, too, promised to return at some point when things were simpler, and perhaps they wouldn't all have to hide any longer. Climbing into the coach, they told the driver they were ready, and the group waved goodbye to Janie. 
Oh, the end of chapter 13. Woo, so that was a long ass chapter. So we did, I, I hope you guys did notice these, what, we had four new names, three names introduced, right? Because of the, I don't know why I keep doing that. With like the mages at the battle scene, why do they have names all of a sudden? It's so stupid. Uh, at least I didn't name the two people that Janie lives with. That is one thing that I will say, because that would have been freaking annoying if they had names too. But I mean, they do. They're people. Don't worry. I feel for them. So what did you guys think of that chapter? Um, it wasn't very exciting, right? They just basically walked into town to stay with a friend. And I spent 12 pages writing about that. <laughs> a little bit long, maybe, but whatever. Um, looks like Henry was pretty beat after fighting in, like I said, three fights and then having to walk for all night. Yeah. But he's okay now. Uh, do you like that dynamic with Margot and Henry? Like, I get the, I wanted that to come across that they yell at each other a lot, but kind of like each other. Yeah. You know what I mean. So. Anyway, uh, whew, this is another long-ass episode. We're at 46 minutes already? Good Lord. It might not be 46 minutes on your podcast player, because I still have to add theme music, and we all know that's very important, right? All right, so I think, uh, you know, with that, so they're going to ride on a coach. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the next chapter is going to be very good or not. We're going to have to see. This is going to be a little bit of a mess. We might hit some boring bits coming up here. Uh, it looks like I tried to introduce some plot, like there's blight, and it's caused by the balancing stones not being together or something like that. So I kind of feel like this is like the second part two of the book or something. I don't know. We're going to have to see, though. I remember kind of how the story goes from this point forward, so it's exciting. We're going to be all right. I think it's going to be dull coming up for a little bit here, but it'll be okay. Yeah. So let's do some discussion questions. All right. Question one. Well, before we get to question one, it does concern Henry's cooking. How many of you were very concerned when he got eggs and flour out? I honestly did not know what he was making, but it looks like pancakes. Right? So that's good. So first question. In the world of magic, do they use maple syrup or what? What are they putting on these pancakes? Is it just butter? As a child, I used to like just butter on my pancakes. That was I thought maple syrup was disgusting. But uh, now I kind of like it, as demonstrated by my drinking this syrupy-ass liquor. Ugh. Mm. So do you think they put syrup on it? Ooh, what about, like, other toppings? Like, did she have berries for them? Write in with your favorite pancake recipe and whether or not it would be available in the world of magic. That's a good discussion question. Yeah, we can all discuss that. That should be a theme for the rest of the uh, podcast, I think. Like, going forward, you know, until I don't podcast anymore. Question two. Okay, so she called them a coach to ride on. Why the hell weren't they taking a coach for the all the rest of this? It seems like they could have covered a lot more ground if they were riding on a coach. There's been some hinting that Henry doesn't like horses. So we'll see if that plays into it a little bit. But I don't know. Maybe you have a better reason. Maybe they're just poor as dirt. That'd be a good guess, I think. Uh, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see. They're going to ride in a coach, though. So very interesting. Yep. Third question. So there, I did warn you there was going to be a shitstorm of new names introduced here. So my third question, well, we I did talk about Janie, but they left her house. I'm very doubtful we're going to see her again in this book. If we did, that would be a shock. But we do see her in other books, right? I've already mentioned that. So we introduced Gwen and Gwen and Ella. Our new characters, right? They were some of the mages that were in that battle with the birds that spoke and wanted berries. Yeah. So we have Gwen and Ella. Uh, Gwen is still here. Ella ran away, right? So my question for discussion question three is, will we see Gwen, Ella, or our man Freddy again, right? Frederick? 
I get the feeling that Frederick would really hate to be called Freddy or Fred, even either way. He seems, you know, the way that it's always spelled out in the book as Frederick, it seems like he's probably, and he is kind of pompous, so I think he would demand that his full name be used, right? So we have Gwen and Ella, right? Do you think they'll both come back into the book? I'm going to guess no, which makes me annoyed because I named them. <laughs> so who gives a crap? <laughs> I didn't even name them well, did I? Oh, where's Ella? I think I said, uh, how did Gwen get named? Like, did he call her Gwen? Um, bu- 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 yeah, it's from the perspective of Frederick. He comes back and finds Gwen, a young mage was the only remaining person who seemed to have her senses about her. So I guess, I don't know, is that the right way to introduce someone? I kind of feel like dialogue should have introduced her name, you know, instead of, I don't know, who gives a crap? This book is terrible. That's the least of my problems. We had so many typos in this chapter. And a formatting error. The formatting errors I like to bring up, because I think there's like eight or ten of them total in the book. So they're very exciting when you find one. So if you do have an answer to a discussion question, please write in to the show. Uh, if you go to jeffreadshisbook.com, I have links uh, so you can uh, contact me via all the exciting methods I have available. And that includes Twitter. I'm at Fortran Jeff. Or you can contact me via email at jba at sdf.lonestar.org. Or, of course, there's always Mastodon. If you're a giant dork, you can contact me at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Mastodon is like one of the only places I actually announce another episode of this podcast. And I have like 11 followers, so it's not going well. (laughs) Uh, I do post it on Reddit, too. Like, there's a uh, podcast subreddit. And they have a weekly episode thread that always has like 180 comments. So I always post the summary of this week's episode. And it doesn't get any upvotes. Why would it? I mean, there's so many other ones there. And actually, I've downloaded one or two from that list and they've been terrible. So I'm in the right spot if that's the case, right? Uh, oh, and you know what? This week I did... Was it this week? Last week? I posted on Reddit in the NaNoWriMo, or NaNoWriMo, whatever, National Novel Writing Month subreddit, that I made a podcast out of my first book. And I that generated a little bit of excitement. I didn't check my downloads, but I, who cares? I, I, don't, I don't know who listens to this. If you listen to this podcast, contact me. Go to jeffreadsbook.com and look at those contact informations, because... That would be sweet. I I just want to know somebody listens to this, other than my wife, who does send me emails and tells me how, what do I want to say, how chatty I am, because I probably drank too much while I made this episode. But anyway, that is the end of episode 13. Um, and again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed making this episode. And I'm really looking forward to episode 14, where we read chapter 14 of Bringing Balance. But until then, keep on reading! Mm -hmm.